Hello and a warm welcome to another edition of the Africa Legal Podcast, where I am once again delving into the minds of uh, either Linklaters or whether Wenzel Secondees at their respective alliance partner firms. And this time I am over the moon to be speaking with Amara Mayette, who is from Weber Wenzel, but currently enjoying coming up to a year-long secondment at Linklaters London. So Amara, it is wonderful to have you with me today. Let's dive right into some questions for us. So first of all, you know, I was having a conversation earlier with um, two of the chaps um, from Linklaters who are currently in Johannesburg. And I said to them, look, how important was a firm that had international secondment opportunities to you. And they both said, you know, firms that weren't offering that went second fiddle in their rankings. Now, does that resonate with you? Were you always 100% focused on an African firm or a South African firm that offered international opportunity? Or did the idea kind of manifest once you'd started practice? That's a very interesting question. And I think that it definitely does resonate with me, the idea that a firm that I wanted to work at or add value to had mm. these opportunities for me. Um, so I definitely was intrigued by it. And I think when I was just out of university and looking at the different firms that I could do my articles at, Weber Wenzel really stood out in terms of having an alliance with Linklaters. I don't think any other firms at that time had such an established alliance. And I think Weber Wenzel really was pioneering this yep. type of arrangement. Yep. And so it was also something that I was very interested in, in terms of just expanding my skill set, something that would definitely enhance the way I do sort of like the different legal um, aspects of my career and stuff like that. So I was very interested and it was something that played quite a huge role in me deciding where I would want to sort of invest my time. That's fantastic. And and how does the opportunity actually manifest at the firm? So, you know, Linklaters, for example, they very uh, clearly state that your final six months of your rotation as a trainee solicitor, and I know they're still called articles in South Africa and mm-hmm. so on, it is on-client secondment or seconded to our Linklaters international office or the alliance opportunity with with Weber Wentzel in South Africa. So how how does how did the opportunity manifest for you? That's a, a, a quite an interesting way that the opportunity manifested. I think. Well, do share. <laughs> so um, I don't think Weber Wenzel. Actually, I can confirm that Weber Wenzel has never sent through um, candidates for a secondment at s- such a junior level. Mm. So Nazia and I were definitely the guinea pigs, sort of like testing <laughs> out how this arrangement would work. Um, so what happened is I finished my two years of articles and I qualified into the commercial and uh, corporate litigation team. Yep. And then this opportunity sort of came up where they offered anyone who had been retained in a team um, to apply um, for a secondment. And it was an amazing opportunity that I just couldn't turn down. I mean, yeah. How often do, do these opportunities come up for someone at my level, especially in a South African law firm? And so I jumped at it and I thought that I would definitely regret it if I didn't take the opportunity. So it's not something that has been established. It's not something that there was a precedent for. It was sort of just, here's this opportunity. 
do with it what you will. Well, I am hearing nothing but really good things from both sides. So even if it isn't a more formalized thing, I think watch this space because, you know, it was having having that chat earlier and hearing about just how beneficial and committed to this information exchange at a junior mm-hmm. level, how how tangible the benefits have been. I mean, that that engagement between Linklaters and Weber Wenzel at the more junior level, you know, I think that, I mean, that is where the future relationship rests. That's mm-hmm. where we make sure that the alliance keeps being more than just a referral scheme. You know, it, it, it's a, a truly, you know, integrated offering between two firms with lawyers that actually know each other. So, I mean, does does, does that resonate? How How have you experienced the you know, how's the welcome been? How has the experience been? Are you feeling like this is more than just getting placed in a UK, you know, magic circle firm? Does it feel kind of special that you're placed in that alliance partner? I think it is, it's a very unique position to be in as a junior lawyer, because not only are you learning from some of the most experienced legal minds in the field, but you're also getting to delve into sort of a different work culture, a different firm. I mean, there are obviously similarities between the firms, but they are very much different. And so sort of like adapting to the different styles and being flexible in your thinking is something that I've really had to learn. And I think one of the most important things for me is that because I come from a litigation background. I sort of had this misconception that if I was qualified in litigation in South Africa, I didn't think that it would be something that I could do in another jurisdiction. Obviously, it's litigation. And dispelling that misconception has been so eye-opening because I've realized that the skills that you learn are actually quite transferable. It's not so limiting as I had initially thought. And so it's just about learning the different legal concepts, how they differ, but also how similar they are in instances where you can just apply your mind to different scenarios and problem solving. So, I mean, that reception and understanding, firstly, that it's not as um, hard to break through those barriers, but also getting encouragement from the different uh, members of the team that I'm in has really been so fulfilling and something that I've really sort of enjoyed. I think um, that's really, really interesting. And just to follow up on that, I mean, you, you throw arbitration into the mix and <laughs> the, you know, the litigation side of things, let's face it, if unless you are dual qualified, there are some impediments to appearing in court, representing in court, having your name on certain filed um, documents or so on. The, the, the general learnings around process, cross-examination, you know, all of that good stuff. Yes, there's learning. But then we've got the arbitration field, which, I mean, look, it's so much more flexible, let's face mm-hmm. it, when it comes to where your qualification is stamped, as it were, jurisdictionally. So is your practice both litigious and arbitral in nature? Um, Is there one that you've kind of, you focused on more? Um, I think currently the team that I'm in, it's been very much investigation focused and business Ah, focused. So um, in that sense, it's not like I've had any major impediments to sort of like progression of my skills in that way. Sure. Um, 
there's some very interesting and complex matters that we are dealing with, which has been very nice to get stuck into. Um, but also just like the variety of work within those industries and within those spaces allows you to sort of venture out and not feel like you are a South African lawyer in the United Kingdom. Yeah, yeah. More like, you know, a lot more collaborative than you would initially think. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've really, really enjoyed that. That's and, fantastic. Go and ahead, I also Mark. think just the type of work that you do, it really it pushes you to be a lot more critical in your analysis. And that's something that feeds through whether you are in litigation or in arbitration or any other sect of dispute resolution. So um, it, it, it really has filtered through and something that I've really learned to appreciate with these different sectors within dispute resolution. And, and Amara, look, we were, we were chuckling about it before we started recording. But aside from adapting to the horrendous UK <laughs> weather, what, what else have you found the biggest learning curve? Not in a negative way, but what what has either surprised you the most? You know, you've mentioned a few already. Or what, what have you learned that you're intending to take back home? Um, so I think what I've really appreciated here, especially at Linklaters, is the amount of client-facing opportunities. So being a very junior lawyer, you don't often get to interact with clients directly. And I think at first for me, that was a little bit daunting, just sending an email across to a client um, with a quick introduction, because that's usually left to a bit more senior people within your team. Um, but the fact that I was given that opportunity and sort of trying to build client relations, even at my level, anticipating a client's needs or just understanding their business model or their risk appetite and things like that, it really, um, it, it was a challenge for me, but it was something that really enhanced how I view the law. It's not just um, giving legal advice. It's about understanding your clients. It's very client-centric. And so that's something that I've learned here and I would hope to take back and something that is a takeaway for me specifically, that it doesn't matter at what level you are, you are still contributing towards something bigger. And it is about delivering good quality legal advice to your clients at the end of the day. For so sure. Yes, yeah. So yes, you have all these little tasks that in the grand scheme of things might not seem important. But when you're given that opportunity to understand why it is important to your client and interacting with them, um, it becomes a lot, you understand the bigger picture a lot more. Well, it's, it's the very positive march towards business advice with a, a legal new. <laughs> rather than legal advice with a business nuance. You know, we, want, we want solutions, not hypotheticals. We want plain English, not Latin. Um, yes. but, uh, the, the, the slow march continues, but great, great to hear that that's definitely, you know, front of mind for you. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about wider career goals. You know, you are obviously a driven and talented young lawyer. What has this international, you know, quite a nicely extended secondment coming up to a year, mm -hmm. how has it impacted your career goals? Do you, could you ever go back to a purely domestic focused practice or is international in your blood now, as it were? I think there's a lot of opportunities that can be gleaned from an international secondment. And one of it is just thinking of things at a global level. And that's something I think the secondment has really whetted my appetite for that. So um, in terms of career goals, I definitely want to 
expand upon this and sort of continue with that networking and those connections because like I said being exposed to the complexity and the variety of work there is out there it um, definitely inspires me to want to reach to do more cross-jurisdictional and multi-jurisdictional work and understanding that it's not as limiting to my initial jurisdiction as I thought especially with arbitration so um I think for me personally, um, being on a secondment made me feel a little bit more comfortable in my role in terms of adding value to a team at any level, but also understanding how it's such a reciprocal collabor- like collaborative yeah. workspace between me and the team and my international alliance partners. Um, and this also coincides with Weber Wenzel's core values of just like, you know, collaboration, teamwork, striving for excellence. So taking ownership of my work streams, but also being encouraged to take on as much responsibility as I want for those work streams um, has definitely shifted the way I view my career going forward. And it's very much um, take as much initiative as you are willing to, and then see how that progresses. Fantastic. Now, Amara, we'll end, end with a little bit of a personal touch, I think. You know, you mentioned, I, I don't feel like a South African lawyer in a London firm, but as a South African in London, go and tell us what, what, what has been the weirdest thing that you've had to get used to and what has been your, your favourite thing that you've been exposed to? Um, this is a pet peeve of mine, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but I struggle to understand English the way British people speak English. There's all these little like tidbits that I just have to be like, can you please repeat that? Like if I'm out with someone and they're like, I need a bottle of water and I'm just like, can you enunciate, please? Can you say your T's? Can you, like, I don't understand how are you the, keepers of the English language when I can't understand you. And it, I'm is, it is a wonderful tapestry of <laughs> dialect and pronunciation, but uh, um, hopefully you'll get nothing but the Queen's English on the African <laughs> podcast. No, it's been, it's very interesting. <laughs> I think people always say how London is so um, multicultural and cosmopolitan, and it's really interesting to see that even within those little sects, there are so many different ways that people communicate. So, I mean, I, I've really learned to appreciate it, but initially it was something like uh, I felt very silly not understanding English <laughs> in this English country. I mean, um, it is talked very fast and very hard in, yes. in, in some occasions. <laughs> and what have you, what have you been exposed to? I mean, mine was obvious. My love affair with Biltong is long and, <laughs> and well well documented. You ask my colleagues, but yes. anything that you've picked up in the UK that you you think you'll be hiding some in your in your bag? <laughs> um, I don't know if I'd be stealing an entire theatre because that is where my love lies. I oh, absolutely you've been spoiled love for choice. Cultural. It is. I've been to the theatre almost every single month, just watching all the shows on the West End. Um, but not just that. I mean, there's so many like orchestra concerts and there's like the ballet and it's just something that I'm really, really going to miss. I think London is very charming, especially culturally. Um, so if I could take a whole theater into my bag back to South Africa, I would. Obviously, I can't. So I think I'm just going to settle for. Um, yeah, I, I don't actually know what I would take. 
now that I'm thinking about it, I just have to come visit again. I think that's that's, that's what I think. You'll take. We'll, we'll be cheesy and say you'll take a determination to return. <laughs> <laughs> Amara, it's been so much fun talking with you today. It's been lovely, I, thank you. We'll, we'll pull things to a close. I say thank you very much for joining me today. It's been absolutely lovely speaking to you, and I look forward to catching up with you soon if you come to Johannesburg or you see or find yourself in London again. We will cross paths, no doubt. And I will say a very big thank you, as always, to our listeners. Uh, If you are new to the Africa Legal Podcast, you can find us wherever you find your usual podcasts. And don't forget to visit us at africalegal.com for all the news, views and insights that improve your life as a modern African legal practitioner. So without further ado, this has been Amara and Tom, and we're signing off for the Africa Legal Podcast.